0: Hi, I want to begin by asking you a question. Where's the gospel hitting the road in your life in this season? Or to put it another way, what does the good news look like for you in your heart and your life at the moment? Do you recognize it? And can others see it? One of the reasons I love working with young people is that they just call it as they see it. They call it straight. Often I hear them saying things like, that person says they're a Christian, but their lives don't really show it. Most young people have got like a radar that can sense hypocrisy a mile away because they're longing for people to be real as they learn to be real themselves, as they figure out who they really are. And for young people who are exploring Christianity, and actually even for anyone who's exploring Christianity, they need to see where the rubber of salvation hits the road in people's lives, where the good news, the gospel, hits the road in our lives, where it makes a real and attractive difference to who we are and how we live. Over the last five weeks, we've been looking at the servant songs in Isaiah and particularly what they tell us about who God's servant, the anticipated Messiah, would be and what his purpose and coming would achieve for the world. We've looked at the sort of character this servant would be and have seen him as the suffering one, the one who would be despised and go through disfiguration and death to achieve his purposes. We've seen the beautiful paradoxes of his power in being like a lamb silent before its slaughter, yet one who will silence the mouths of world leaders. We've seen him as the wounded healer or the innocent man who bears the iniquity and guilt of us all. The humiliated one whose words of vindication break shame and restore dignity. And we've come to see and understand his mission that as he serves the world and as he identifies with its sin and suffering, he achieves justice. Justice for God's people before um, God and justice for the nations, justice for the whole world. And this is some really big picture stuff, isn't it? And it blows my mind again and again to think and consider this big picture of Jesus' salvation, his salvation for the whole world. But as we come to this passage in Isaiah 61, I think it's bringing it down a level from the macro to the micro, from the big picture to our story. To show us how people like you and I would experience this servant Messiah. To show us what the good news of this servant looks like for us. To kind of show us where the rubber hits the road of this salvation that God, through the prophet Isaiah, has been talking about. So let's go into this passage. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord, that is Yahweh, has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. We notice it's the voice of the servant himself. And he begins by describing the source of his authority, which is grounded in the anointing of the sovereign Lord and the indwelling of Yahweh's spirit. Now, we know that Jesus, when he began his ministry, He identified himself with this voice of the servant from Isaiah, don't we? In Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21, we read that Jesus stood up and read this very scripture from Isaiah in a synagogue in his hometown in Nazareth. And after reading this small section, he sat down and he said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So we know that Jesus was revealing himself as the one Isaiah prophesied about. The one who is the Messiah and God's servant, who will save and renew the world. And this servant then describes what he's anointed and authorised to do. And straight away we see the crux of this servant's ministry. And what do we see? We see that it's a ministry of proclaiming good news. But specifically, good news for who? For the poor. For people who are disadvantaged. People who are at the mercy of powerful people and people who are struggling in tough circumstances. But I think um, we can also think of other references to the poor in the Bible and I think of the Beatitudes where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So I think the poor that this servant in Isaiah is speaking of also includes those who know the poverty of their own souls, people who know that they need a saviour. And then the rest of verses 1 to 3 go on to expound what this good news for the poor is. So I'm going to quickly walk us through these. We notice quite clearly that this Messiah has good news for the brokenhearted for those grieving, for those mourning, and those carrying a spirit of despair. Well, that would probably include most of us this year, right? The Messiah not only sees and cares for these people, but we see that he brings healing in verse 1, where he binds up the brokenhearted. In verse 2, we see he brings comfort. And in verse 3, we see that he brings providence, he provides. And this providence, or if you like, this gift of grace is his ministry not only of restoration and transformation but also of replacement. We read that he bestows on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. This is complete and holistic restoration of the broken-hearted. It's a healing of the soul. The Messiah's good news makes the broken beautiful, joyful and worshipful people. Where the causes of mourning are surpassed by cause for joy and praise. The servant in Isaiah also declares that he has come to proclaim freedom for the captives and release to the prisoners. And we can look at this from different perspectives. We can understand the sense of um, captivity to spiritual bondage, can't we? The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans talks about the human condition and actually all of creation as being in bondage, in captivity to sin death and decay. So we can see the servant's liberation of those who are trapped in sin, those trapped in addictions and harmful patterns of behaving and relating. And we can also understand the liberation that the servant brings to those who are trapped in darkness, where it says that the servant proclaims release from darkness for the prisoners, literally In its original Hebrew, this would read the wide opening of the eyes to the blind. So there's a sense that there's a freeing of our spiritual eyes where the servant's proclamation of good news opens our eyes to the light of truth. Think about pervasive ideologies in our world today such as materialism and consumerism. Or other, you know, secular worldviews that can subconsciously dictate and dominate our lives? Or what about the darkness of unhealthy thought patterns, such as negativity, criticism, paranoia, or constant self-doubt? But there's also clearly a literal sense to the freedom that the servant brings to those held in captive and I think about the 40 plus million people who are literally held in captivity today around the world as slaves sex slaves and child soldiers this proclamation of freedom for the captives and the servants reference here to the year of the Lord's favor in verse 2 These are direct references to the year of Jubilee, which was commanded by God through Moses in the Old Testament law. Now let me explain a little bit about this. In Leviticus chapter 25, God explains that every 50th year was to be proclaimed a year of release, where where debts were to be cancelled, slaves were to be freed, and people who had been forced to sell their family property because of poverty were to receive it back again it was also a year to refrain from work and to allow the land to rest so can you imagine that level of social economic and environmental justice and this is what the servant comes to do to correct greed to correct overconsumption. And to correct, you know, things like supposed market forces that increase the wealth of the wealthy and the poverty of the poor. And this is the good news that the servant comes to proclaim. The good news of justice. This is what good news looks like. This is what the favour of the Lord looks like. We see this servant Saving us at every level, don't we? From the inner place of grief and mourning and despair to the tangible correcting and restoring of social, economic and environmental justice. So let me just pause here a moment and ask you again. Can you see the good news in your life? In Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 6, when John the Baptist was in prison, he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? In other words, are you really the Messiah that was promised? And Jesus answered them, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So Jesus reassures John that the work of the Messiah as prophesied in Isaiah is being fulfilled in Jesus' ministry, and that the good news was being seen in both tangible and spiritual ways. It was seen through the physical healing of the deaf, the blind, the lame and even the raising of dead people to life. And it was evident in Jesus' proclamation of good news to the poor where real restoration and change was happening through Jesus' saving power. The good news, the gospel that Jesus proclaimed was having real effects not only in people's individual lives, but in all areas of society. The holistic nature of Jesus' salvation was being felt and experienced. So, as people who believe in this Jesus, you and I, who have responded to his truth and his grace, and you have the Spirit living in us, the good news ought to be seen in our lives too. And as a group, as a body of believers in Jesus, we ought to be displaying this good news through the life of our church. And we are in so many ways, aren't we? Through our op-shop ministry, through our pastoral care to vulnerable people, Through our connection to families, through Powerhouse Kids and Playgroup and through our partnership with Echo, we're showing the good news of Jesus' love and presence to our community. We're extending his comfort and hope to people doing it tough around us. And we want to keep doing this and keep exploring ways of bringing the transforming presence of power of Jesus to our community so that it affects real and felt change. Where our ministry to our community demonstrates authenticity, compassion, hospitality, and justice, and which reflects these attributes of God to the world around us. But let me slow down for a moment and let me ask, ask this question again Where is Jesus' good news for you at the moment? Where is his salvation and his service of you hitting your heart and your life? Where does the rubber hit the road? Where does the rubber of the gospel hit the road or need to hit the road for you at the moment? For me, I've been reflecting this week on the good news of Jesus' love and comfort in the midst of my stress and the busyness that I'm experiencing in this season. So I've felt convicted about inconsistencies in my life, where one minute I'm in awe of this Jesus that I'm writing a sermon about, and the next I'm allowing my frustration with my kids to move me to unnecessary anger and impatience. Or one minute I'm joyfully planning a celebratory party and the next I'm killing the atmosphere and the joy in my household by yelling demands at my kids and my husband. So I realised this week that I need the good news of Jesus' comfort and peace in the midst of my stress and anxiety. And I want the good news to be seen in my life. I want my kids, my family and my friends to not only notice the change that Jesus not only has brought but is bringing in my life. To notice, to not only notice it but to be drawn to it. To want that good news for themselves. Where's the good news meeting you at the moment? Is there darkness that Jesus wants to bring you out of? Is there healing that he wants to release over you? Emotionally, spiritually or physically? Is he offering you comfort in your place of grief and loss? Or are there areas of sin or harmful habits that he wants to free you from? And the good news, is that it's his work, it's his healing, his comfort, his free gift to us, his favour upon us. We need only to believe. So let me close by bringing us back to this passage. At the end of verse 3 in Isaiah 61, it says, They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. We've been saved to be like these oaks of righteousness, to display his glory. So how do other people see the light of Jesus shining through our lives? Do they see us as people who've been saved, who've had their lives turned around? Or do they see us as people who just fit the status quo, and the regular way of life as everyone else. And we see a couple of verses later in verse 6 that God, through Isaiah, calls his people priests and ministers of the Lord. And again at the end of this chapter in verse 11, we read that God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. So God's people who have been touched and changed by the good news of Jesus, and now the living displays of Jesus' glory to the world, and are actually fellow ministers, servants of Jesus, living with his anointing and his power to bring good news into effect in our time. A couple of weeks ago, I was ordained a priest, and it was an authorising of me for the ministry of serving the church. Well, here, God calls all his people to serve with Christ in right and worshipful living that demonstrates and displays the good news. It's the rubber of the gospel hitting the road in our lives, this transformation of our lives from captivity to freedom, from darkness to light, from poverty to wholeness, from mourning to gladness, that God is using To make the world notice him. To make the world pay attention to him. Well, if Christmas is anything for us, it's for us to consider what the good news means for us. And to remember that with Christ, the good news displayed in our lives continues his message of good news to the world. Amen.